Welcome back to Keep Idaho Red Radio. And that was an amazing segment. Yeah, we got to great. talk to the governor about many cool topics, about property taxes and infrastructure and education, education and yeah. fentanyl. And, and uh, now we're going to turn our attention to someone who's been on our show a number of times. And he was really, we, we brought him on on the topics of federal overreach because he's the chair of that committee. And uh, his name is Sage Dixon. Now, Sage has, is, represents District 1. He's been elected to his fifth term. and But he has another thing on his resume now, Tom, and that is that he's the assistant majority leader in the House. Yeah, and Vic, you know, I think we've always kind of take it for granted, the election of a, a speaker and leadership. Um, but after we saw what played out in the U.S. Capitol, <laughs> with yeah. the U.S. House, uh, Sage, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see how uh, Idaho handles those, uh, those decisions. And congratulations on being elected assistant majority leader. Much, much less drama. Anyway, yeah. welcome Sage Dixon to Keep Idaho Red Radio. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be back with you. And yes, much less drama here than we saw on the national level. That's true. So, uh, Representative Dixon, uh, first of all, talk about leadership. Um, there's new leadership at each position, uh, and you are elected to be the assistant uh, majority leader. What does that What does that role look like? Well, this is one of the roles in leadership. There's four main positions, um, and this one's a little bit undefined. So as I think we mentioned before, it's kind of duties as assigned that comes with it. But one of the larger responsibilities for the assistant majority leader is to handle the bill amendment process. If we have House bills that we need to amend on the floor, I then will go up into the speaker's chair, and it becomes like a giant committee. It's not. It's handled a little differently than a normal House session. It becomes like our committees are run, and I become the chairman of the committee of the whole, and we go through the bill amendment process. Uh, other than that, it would be taking over the duties from the majority leader if, if she's not available and running the floor during the floor session. That's primarily what I do. Some of it, what I'll be doing, what we've discussed as a leadership team, is trying to bring ideas together when there's a lot of similar ideas on a topic, but trying to coalesce them down into one or two bills rather than eight bills so that we can go forward unified as a House, and it gives us as a leadership team uh, a firmer grasp of what we want to push on the Senate and the governor with. So let's talk about... Um Let's talk about some of the priorities you have. Um, and and what I, when you and I had a little bit of a discussion before this, you brought up some topics that we really have not heard much about, and I'm really interested to see uh, what your thoughts on them. So obviously we have an executive branch, a legislative branch, and a judicial branch. And there is an appointment process right now uh, with judici- in the judicial branch. Maybe talk a little bit about how that, um, that process works now and whether you have some thoughts about whether that's the right process or there should be a different process. Right. Currently, we have a judicial council that puts up names for the governor to consider for judicial positions. And last year, we had a bill to expand that council and to try and have a little bit more expanded input. There, there's some concern that that council is a, nepotistic, might be a strong word, but say a little insular with um, the attorneys and, and judges, and, and it, it, the body felt here in the House and the Senate, it was a bill that passed, 
both the House and Senate, but was vetoed by the governor. But just so there's a little bit more public input or a little bit more public accountability about who our judges are, because uh, there's there's concern about that. It's something the speaker feels very strongly about. And that also that our judicial branch is becoming a little too political, stepping outside of its role of, of calling balls and strikes and maybe entering into the policy arena a little bit. So, uh, Representative Sage Dixon, uh, thanks for joining us here on Keep Idaho Red Radio here on 580 KIDO and uh, 107.5 FM and, and Vic, our uh, sister station KLIX in the um, in the Magic Valley. Um, let, let's talk about uh, let's talk about education funding. We had the governor on uh, just before you, Representative Dixon, and uh, we had a long conversation about what his goals and objectives are for education and uh, and and the. Um, uh, you know, a lot of that is going to be driven by funding, uh, but also policy, uh, whether it's, you know, Representative Horman, uh, you know, has been working to find a, a funding formula, a new funding formula for education. It's, it's a lot more difficult than it sounds, but whether it's the funding formula discussion, teacher salaries, there's going to be a lot of bills and ideas that are going to come forward um, uh, to the legislature. Uh, talk to us about your thoughts on that, not only as uh, a representative of District 1, but also as the Assistant Majority Leader and managing those different bills and, and, and uh, ideas that are going to come from your 70 legislators. Right. Well, it's important that the all ideas get out there and get vetted. That that's that's critical because we all come from different areas of the state uh, or different areas of the state and, and are bringing different values and, and needs for our constituents. So, making sure that people's voices are heard as elected representatives is very important. First off, in those discussions, um, Representative Foreman has been working very hard. I served on an interim committee with her for three years, looking at that funding formula, and it went nowhere once we hit the legislature after working in between sessions. Um, so it's been important to her that that's going to be a big component um, from a House leadership position. And in speaking with our members, uh, some parts, a lot of parts of the government, governor's plan didn't really resonate with House members, and, and we don't feel it resonates with our constituency. So education is important, keeping it viable and strong within Idaho, but we're not sure if we're going to exactly follow those recommendations, but you know, go through the policy process and then have those discussions with the governor's office as well as we move forward. What, what do you feel is the what's the rub on the on the funding formula? Uh, is there? I think Wendy mentioned it. It was twenty nine years old. The funding formula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what what's the rub that you see on it? The, one of the conclusions we reached is we needed to go away from that every average daily attendance and into an enrollment model, and we've, we've crept in that direction a little bit, but money following the child, which is a large topic. It's just it's a broad thing to say, but nonetheless, there's so many different ways that education is achieved now and, and facilitated that we need to make sure that the people giving in education in different manners are being getting the funds that they need to do that. Oftentimes, if a child is in a traditional public school in the morning and the dollars will reside there, but they may be going to an online school, the Digital Learning Academy in the afternoon, or going to a tutor or something, and then it's difficult for those people to receive the compensation for providing that education. So to have the money follow the child is a large issue for many of our House members. I think that the school choice issue is still a very large issue that we want to talk about, and that wasn't necessarily addressed Mm -hmm. in the governor's budget. But I think we'll see a lot of bills dealing with that coming forward. I think uh, Vic also and Representative Sage, when you look at that funding formula, it's always uh, one of the goals 
um, is hold harmless, right? Because if you have a yeah. finite amount of money and you change the form, funding formula, it's going to mean that money is going to be distributed a bit differently. If you take the focus, the money follows the child, it resolves that issue. But it's very difficult to get people to accept uh, that, that uh, philosophical approach to, to funding for education. I agree, Tom, and that was kind of the hiccup when we put that legislation before the body a few years ago because the way it was explained or put forward to the public, it looked like there were some districts that would be going backwards, and there were some provisions in there to hold everybody harmless, but just that initial shock of looking that rather than moving forward, school districts would be moving backward harmed that effort a few years ago, and I'm sure Representative Horman and the others working on that take that into consideration and will be uh, amending that, or at least we won't have that issue. If you're joining us, we're speaking with Representative Sage Dixon, fifth term, uh, District 1, system minority leader, and we're talking about some issues that uh, will likely come before the uh, House. One thing that uh, has been a, a big topic of conversation, Representative Dixon, is bills being heard. Bills being heard. We don't want bills in the drawer. But there are over the weekend, uh, we did have a discussion at the state central committee with the Idaho GOP about personal bills. And so maybe can you talk about what is a personal bill? Do personal bills expect to be quote unquote heard? Like, and should we, and should personal bills be noted in a different way when they're assigned, <clears throat> assigned a, a bill number, for example? Right. Yeah, that, that has been a large topic of conversation. And there was a bill that was being heard in state affairs to address that issue. Last year, especially, that process was abused. I, I guess I'll back up and say that a personal bill is a term that we use. In the, in the House rules, you can have a bill printed and assigned a bill number without going through a committee within our first 20 days of our session. So frequently, there is a large rush to get all these bills just assigned a bill number so that somebody can go back to their constituents and say, I'm, I'm working for you, and there's some logical reasons for that. But it also gums up our process with a lot of the other bills that are supposed to go through the committee. Our bill drafters are then overloaded with bills that are personal bills that, as long as I have been in the body, they have been basically for informational purposes only, and they would get sent to the Ways and Means Committee, and they would just reside there. People knew it was just a way to get an idea out. It wasn't uh, something that was considered a viable bill that was going to be heard. Um, that was, uh, I guess, exacerbated or exaggerated by some of our members last year into to becoming a political lever that was used in saying that a certain idea they had wasn't being heard, but it was not going through the traditional bill process. So in order to help make this clearer, one of the efforts was to have these termed an informational bill. So the public then knows also, and that was one of the harder parts, is the public wasn't aware. They see a bill with a bill number, a legislator or somebody says it's not being heard, and the public thinks, well, my voice isn't being heard. But this way, when people have a bill that they don't want to go through the normal committee process, it'll be termed an informational bill, and then it's pretty open to everybody and easy to explain about what that is at that point. So don't know where that's going to go right now. There was a little bit of a, of a hiccup in the committee before it came out of the committee. So I think it might be heard next week in a different form. But I think there's still a large effort to do that. And a lot of concern to make sure that, that people's voices are heard. That That's very important to the leadership team and the chairman as well. But um, not every idea is the greatest idea, and we need to work together and vet things together to get good legislation for the state of Idaho. 
But we do uh, we do appreciate uh, you very much, uh, Representative Sage Dixon. You've always made yourself available to talk to us and, and uh, share your thoughts with Idahoans. And uh, we we bless you in your new role as the Ada uh, as the Assistant Majority Leader of the House. Having him back, and we look forward to having you back as we find out actually what happens in all these issues. So, thank you again for joining us. Happy New Year to you, and uh, to all those listening to Keep Idaho Red Radio. We'll we'll uh, hear you and talk to you next week.